It should be obvious that we cannot solve a crisis with the same methods that got us into it in the first place. This is a last chance saloon. Because if we don't really take the decisions that are vital now, it's going to be almost impossible to catch up. We will end the moratorium on extracting our huge reserves of shale, which could get gas flowing as soon as six months. If unprecedented changes are not made and made soon, there will be irreversible damage to the planet. Zero carbon. East tall. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbonista Series 4 Fool's Gold. I'm Ian Collins and this is the UK's number one environment-based podcast. If it's green, it's in. On this week's episode, the government minister who thinks windmills are too big to be built despite tens of thousands being, well, built. The decarbonisation of travel via aeroplanes is under scrutiny and fooling the fools with fake sausages. Our man who will be digesting and spitting out the truth is the green entrepreneur and environmentalist Dale Vince. How are you doing, Dale? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm going to spit out the gristle of all of these stories, actually, and uh, and embrace the truth. Yeah, wish I'd said that, crikey. Oh, blimey. Should we, <laughs> should we start with Bulb? Yes. Uh, because it's, it's all very well when you read a, a story of a company collapsing and going by the way, so you think, well, that's, you know, if, if it means job losses and stuff, that's very sad. But these are private companies, that's how it works. And then you realise, hang on a second, private company, but the taxpayer has a bill to pay. Yeah, and it's like six billion quid which is going to cost us all about 200 quid each and it's it's a series of failures at the government level essentially because uh, it starts with Ofgem uh, Ofgem's policy the price cap was short-sighted they only capped retail prices not wholesale I mean that's a pretty dumb move uh, you've got the government who then intervened and rescued bulb uh, by nationalizing them but refused to hedge energy which is what brought bulb down in the first place so that cost another couple of billion quid and now they've gone and sold it on the um I don't know what you'd call it. It's, it's a dodgy deal. They won't tell us how much they've sold it for. They claim there's a profit share f- in the future from Octopus the buyer who have never yeah, made a right. profit in their lives, right? Uh, but they won't tell us what that is either. And the whole thing is murky. And the other suppliers, some of the biggest suppliers in our country are taking the government to court to block the sales. So the whole thing's a pickle. Yeah, totally. Um, and and arguably not the, not the last we will hear of it as well. No, I don't think so. There's more we should have a bulb going. corner. We should have a bulb corner. Right? Old frack- corners. Fracking's going to get boring. Yeah, fr- we sorted <laughs> fracking. Let's move on to the bulb people now. <laughs> Let's move to Airbus. Warning of delays in decarbonizing air travel. bit worrying. Well, yeah, no. Okay, look, Airbus have come out and said they plan their first hydrogen flight in 2035. Uh, that's like 13 years away, and maybe 12. And uh, that's the first thing I took from the story. I'm like, wow, where's the ambition in that, guys? And the uh, head of Airbus is basically saying he's worried that the hydrogen industry won't be able to keep up. And I'm like, well, they've got 12 years, right? I mean, yeah. they got a bit of time. So I don't know if this is a story or not a story, to be honest. But, you know, we've got our own plans for a uh, hydrogen-powered airline, which we hope to announce in a few weeks' time. Wow. We're, we're going to beat the pants off 2035. Yeah. What's the deal with hydrogen in this respect, then? Because as, as, you know, we've discussed it before. Uh, lots of our callers, when we talk about the future of um, you know renewables and the like, say, you know, why is there not more focus on hydrogen? Uh, I know there are hydrogen vehicles out there, but broadly speaking, the focus is on electric and not hydrogen. Why? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the efficiency of a battery in terms of what we call round trip, the amount that you get back out compared to what you put in is in the 90%. Uh, The efficiency of hydrogen uh, for use in a vehicle is uh, less than 50%. 
So it's going to cost you just almost twice as much to power a vehicle with hydrogen per mile than it will uh, with a battery with the same source of electricity. And this is because making hydrogen is expensive and storing it is difficult and all that kind of stuff. It's got a fairly relatively low energy content compared to uh, its volume, uh, mm. but fairly high compared to its weight. It's quite a unique uh, puzzle, but it does suit flying. We'll move on to some questions in a second. Let's just uh, move to this story. The EU unveils plans to cut Europe's plastic and packaging waste. I was having this conversation with somebody this morning, bought a sofa for the house. You know, nothing wrong or particularly opulent about that. Needed a new sofa. The packaging this thing arrived in, Dale, was extraordinary. You could have probably wrapped everybody's Christmas presents in the entire borough with what they gave for one sofa. I mean, it's extraordinary. It is, isn't it? Actually, Christmas is a great example of, pack- of packaging waste, right? I mean, we, you know, I nearly said we all, but I know, but you know, buy lots of uh, throwaway single-use wrapping paper. You know, Christmas is incredible. But like, I read the story, and I read the first line about shampoo bottles, mini shampoo bottles in hotels being yep. the first thing to go. And I imagined the right wing press, our good friend Nigel, what's his name, Farage, just going, "Oh my God, they're coming for our." Shampoo bottles now. Good job we're not in the EU because those guys would be <laughs> freaking out, right? Uh, absolutely. It's funny, isn't it? I think stuff like that. Did I don't know how many people across the world, what percentage who stay in a hotel use the shampoo bottle? Mm, mm. Or take them home like as a kind of freebie. Or they take them home and never use them at home either. But it's a brilliant plan from the EU. They've identified that almost 50% of new paper and new plastic made in the world today is used in packaging and, and then yeah. becomes quite liable to be thrown away, even though a lot of it is recyclable. They're saying that reuse is the next frontier. We've done recycled and recyclable. Now they want reusable. And this is going to hit coffee shops, uh, restaurants, all kinds of places. Uh, Not until like 2030, maybe even a bit later than that, actually, which is a shame. But, you know, once again, the EU are leading the world on this. Yeah. Well, let's look at another EU story. Big polluters given almost 100 billion euros in free carbon permits by the EU. So, I mean, they're wearing two hats over there in Brussels, it seems. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the EU carbon credit scheme is not perfect in the sectors that it covers, they've seen uh, reductions in carbon emissions of 37%. So it's doing that job. But yes, they have given a stupid sum of money to the biggest polluters in Europe. And they haven't done anything with it. These people, steel works, cement works, they haven't taken that money and used it to improve their efficiency and lower their emissions. They've taken yeah. it as profit. And it's, some of them have even traded the uh, emissions credits that have been given by the EU. They've sold them to somebody else, which is a bit of a scandal. Uh, here's a question which also ties in with one of our stories rob on twitter how can the conservatives possibly continue their anti-onshore wind stance i mean where are they on this at the moment it looks as if they might relent but um, at the moment there's no positive green light it won't be a real relenting though it'll be uh, along the lines of liz Truss's proposed relenting on fracking that we can have fracking where people support it this is what the tories are saying now about onshore wind what they haven't said is how that support gets measured Will one objector be able to prevent a local wind farm, for Mm. example? I don't know. The Tories are torn apart on this issue. There's a whole group of them uh, trying to amend a bill right now to maintain the ban on onshore wind and another whole group of them trying to do the opposite. And Rishi Sunak stuck in the middle. As Keir Starmer calls him, weak and privileged. I I buy that completely. It's interesting, isn't it? I think there's a lot of generally a lack of information, I think, about what's happening here. Um, I I spotted a, a tweet from a guy called Javier, who's an energy and commodities columnist at Bloomberg. Um, And he wrote this. This was a couple of days ago, 28th of November. Over the last 40 hours, 
the UK wind power industry has swung from producing 16.4 gigawatts to generating 0.4 gigawatts. <laughs> now, I saw this incessantly retweeted as, I suppose, evidence as to why this is just a, a fool's errand to follow this kind of power. What What is the definitive answer to that? Because I'm sure those figures are correct, but let's give it some context. Over what period of time was that? Well, he says over the last 40 hours, so within a 40-hour window, 16.4 gigawatts to 0.4. And I think the implication in that is that, look, it, can't it's, rely it's it. great when it works, but you can't rely on it. Yeah, no, I get that. And look, people have been using statistics selectively like this for a long time. You know, the odd 40-hour window, the odd 24-hour uh, window, that kind of stuff. It doesn't prove the point. That's not data. I mean, that's almost an anecdote. You know, wind energy is producing the bulk of our 50% green on the grid right now as a country annually. You have to look at the annual picture. You have to look at the enormous peaks and troughs of demand on the grid as well. It's not just wind that comes and goes. Demand comes and goes as well. Balancing that is a technically complex job. The national grid, who run the thing, have said we can get to 100% using renewable energy. I kind of trust what they say. And if they said we couldn't, then I would, I'd probably say the opposite. I don't trust what they say. But they say we can do it. And um, who can argue with that? Well, I'll tell you, you can argue with that. Grant Shapps can argue with that. Everything you've just been saying, Dale, is, is bollocks, according to Grant, because <laughs> these things can't be built at all. Forget whether they're efficient. Uh, forget whether you like the look of them. That doesn't, none of that, it's all irrelevant because according to Grant Shapps, he believes turbines are so big, they can't actually be built on land. I know, I know. I mean, what are these people like? You asked where are the Tories on onshore wind a minute ago, and I was thinking, where are the Tories on anything, right? Do, are they in this real world that we all live in? I don't think so. Grant Shapps, a man that can have an argument in a phone box, has no idea about onshore wind. I mean, who is this guy? What's he doing in the cabinet? He's the business secretary. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> come on. I mean, but did he not, when he made this comment, did he not look around and go, well, how did they get there then? <laughs> he has no idea, does he? He probably, he probably doesn't even care what he's saying, right? He just, he says what he, he wants to be true. That's how they operate, most of them. I mean, they live in this world where if they say it, then it's probably true and the right-wing press are going to report it and people are going to think, well, it's probably true and nobody fact-checks them, right? And, yeah. uh, and they get away with it. Here's a question from Peter on Facebook. Love the podcast. Hearing lots about bird deaths as a reason to stop onshore wind. Is this fake news? Well, I mean, let's blame Donald Trump to begin with, because he was the one that first banged on about, you know, have you seen the amount of birds like a bird graveyard down there? Huh. Is that true? I mean, I, I imagine, you know, a bird could get caught in a blade at some point. But broadly speaking, what, is, what are the stats for sparrow culls? Uh, yeah, so uh, wind, onshore wind, is uh, is reckoned to account for about 100,000 bird deaths a year. Cats, I think, are 30 million. When you say cats, cats aren't killed by wind farms, right? Cats are killed. <laughs> You're talking about cats killing the birds. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I was thinking, I know cats are good at climbing, but they ain't that good. I was thinking of sources of death for birds, right? You've got 100,000 for wind. There's about 30 million for cats. You've got tall buildings. I don't even know the number. Cars kill a load of birds. And then you've got these people that call themselves sports shooters. They kill a lot of birds as well. What yeah. I'm trying to say is, yes, it does happen. Properly sighted windmills don't cause big problems. You'll just get the occasional collision. If you, if you put one in a bad location, that's happened in Spain and it has happened in the US in a flight path, uh, for example, then you'll have bigger problems. But it doesn't happen these days. You know, there were some mistakes made 20 years ago yeah they don't get made now 
And you could put a sign out for the birds, couldn't you, saying, you know, don't fly yeah. in this area, that kind of thing. <laughs> well, the thing is, in good weather, birds see the blades. They stay away from them. I've watched it happen. And we monitored our first turbine we built in 1996 because it was one of the big claims. It would kill hundreds of thousands of birds a year, right, a single windmill. And we, we monitored it for the first five years, not a single bird death. Uh, let's move on to this, then. The UK government is allowing the fossil fuel industry to waste large amounts of gas. This is according to a leading environmental think tank. They're the Green Alliance. They're arguing that oil and gas companies are wasting enough methane to power more than 700,000 UK homes. Yeah, which is a scandal, right, in the middle of an energy crisis You'd and think. a cost of energy crisis as well. Because these guys, the energy companies, their answer to that is it's not profitable to capture this gas, so we burn it instead. And I'm like, WTF, you're the people the Treasury say will make $170 billion during this crisis, and you're worried that it's not profitable to catch this gas. I mean, it should be their duty to capture that gas, right, and put it into the mains. What's going on? Yeah, what is going on? Chris on Facebook, uh, have you heard back from the FA yet about your Just Stop Oil complaint? What's next? We've heard sweet FA, actually. (laughs) Nothing. Just remind everybody what this was all about. Yeah, so I was watching uh, England's game on Tuesday night in, in Qatar. And ahead of the show, in the in the pre-match show, they had the chief exec of the FA on. And he was whinging quite uh, vociferously, I think, about FIFA and how FIFA had behaved when England or the FA uh, and England proposed to wear the One Love armband, uh, which FIFA yeah. banned. Uh, FIFA said it's against the rules, right, and there'll be sanctions. And he was banging on about this. And I thought, hang on a minute, this rings a bell because about, I don't know, three weeks ago, maybe four, we had our first round FA Cup game on TV against South Shields up north of the country. And we said to the FA, we would like to wear warm up T-shirts with the words Just Stop Oil on it. And they said, no, that's a political message. You'll be in breach of the rules. And when we looked at the rules, there's all kinds of sanctions, including closing the ground, kicking us out of the cup competition and even kicking us out of the league, right, which is pretty extreme. And on top of that, they say, and anything else we can think of, basically. So uh, which fitted very neatly with the FA's description of FIFA's threat, which was basically unlimited sanctions. So I wrote to them and said, hey, guys, this looks a little bit similar, right? The only difference between what happened in Qatar and uh, and what happened in England is your position, right? On the one hand, you're yeah. lobbying for political messages and whinging about rules. And back in England, you're saying, oh, no, you can't have that. And here's a threat. Yeah, no answer. And let's just finally look at this story. We've got another question to come as well from Leah in just a second. The sausage challenge. So I don't know if you're familiar with Mike Parry. No, he's a friend of yours, I hear, though. Well, I wouldn't. Is, is that go going that too far? far? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, a few years ago, I, I co hosted a show with Mike okay. Barry. It was a sort of baptism of fire. Um, he's a kind of very forthright journalist, former print journalist, latterly went into broadcasting, comes from the, uh, the Northwest. He's, yeah, he's got big opinions. And most of his opinions are f***ing bonkers, to be honest. They, they, they genuinely don't stand up to any level of intellectual scrutiny. But I think yeah. that's part of his thing, to be honest. Yeah. I think he throws out daft premises and proposals and then sort of debates them, etc. Sounds a little bit like my Graham. Yeah, they used to be a double act and then they went their separate ways. Um, but he was on TV, uh, Mike Parry, uh, and this is now being repeated and it's kind of gone viral, to coin the phrase, mm. uh, because he was tricked into praising vegan sausages. He was a guy that went on and said, you know, I can tell you anything about sausages. You can't fool me. I know what a sausage tastes like. You know, this vegan yeah. nonsense is a load of old pap and blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. So they gave him the sausage challenge, Dale. Yeah. 
<laughs> which sounds good, right? It sounds like something happens on I'm a celebrity and Mac Hancock should have faced it, the sausage challenge. But that's just my imagination. Carry yeah, on, please. It could. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, interesting. Uh, but he, yeah, he failed it. He failed it. He praised the vegan sausage. said, yeah, that, there you go. Look, this is the real deal. This is fantastic. And I this know other one's shite, he said, didn't he? I, yeah, I know a banger from a synthetic offering and he got it horribly wrong because he was uh, praising and enjoying a vegan sausage. As your old nan might say, that man doesn't know his ass from his elbows. <laughs> well, I think I've told you this story, but years ago, me and my girlfriend at the time did a New Year's Eve party. And all you really, all people want to eat at parties is like, well, I'm not going to, I'm not a caterer. I'm not going to make other people's dinner for them. So, you know, we'll put some booze on and we'll just get like 10,000 sausage rolls. And we went to the frozen food place and said, well, let's just buy 10,000 vegetarian sausage rolls which we did the little mini ones stuck them on a plate like any buffet thing they're the things that go first everybody downed them not a single person knew they were vegetarian yeah you did tell me that and i think it's brilliant yeah. and you know i was i was in switzerland a couple of days ago talking to this uh, conference of uh, international federations they cover the world of sports there's like 130 of them and um we were talking about food and one of the things i said to them is actually don't label your food you know if you're going to bring vegan options into your sport just call it what it is a black bean burger or corn pie or whatever if you call yeah, it yeah. a vegan burger right then the shutters go down for so for many people. people it's like yeah. you know it's about describing food as what's missing from it rather than what's in it right it's a positive choice just anyway blah. well i've done the greg's thing you know and as you said before you know it's, it's not that every vegan food is is healthy there are unhealthy vegan foods because oh, yeah. you know other other components that are in them but mm. in terms of you know the vegan sausage roll from greg's i mean there is no difference so i don't know why you'd ever buy a sausage roll again yeah, just some kind of salty paste in pastry. That's exactly it? all it is. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. It. You were never, when you were eating a sausage roll, you were never tasting pork. You were never tasting. <laughs> and lots of people said to me, you know, if people really tasted it, what it actually tastes like without any of the, the, the stuff that's put in, nobody would eat it. <laughs> yeah. And if they knew what was in it, right? Lips, bums, and eyeballs, you know, the bits of, of an animal they can't sell anywhere else. And I think, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a, well, there's a reason why a sausage looks like a sausage. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Uh, and Leah says, final point, you just alluded to it. Did it take long to get to Switzerland on train? I admire your commitment not to fly. Uh, you've just alluded to the fact you've been in Switzerland in the last 48 hours. Uh, what was the train journey like? Yeah, no, it was, it was good, actually. It was most of a day to get there and most of a day to get back. So it was quite long. Uh, but, you know, chilling. I got to do a lot of email on the way. I mean, they have nice trains. And, um, yeah, it was just it was a journey, right? Looking out the window, uh, looking at the landscape. It's a bit I like of fun. it. Yeah, it was, it was fun. And uh, it was a worthwhile event. I had a good time there. Spoke to a lot of people. I mean, they run the whole world of sport, these people. And they sure. just decided that sustainability is going to be one of their goals. So it was really worth going good to uh, give them the FGR example. Fantastic. Dale, we're speaking a week. Yeah, looking forward to that. Have a good one. That's it for this episode. Don't forget to follow this podcast so you get each new episode automatically. And follow Dale on social media. Twitter.com slash Dale Vince. He's on Facebook.com slash Dale Vince. Also on Insta and on LinkedIn. Zero carbon east off.